following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. If this is your first week at Community Gospel, <laughs> welcome to what we do. I mean, holy cow, pretty awesome. I'd, I'd go to church here, and I do. <laughs> uh, if you would, as they're making a mass exodus, I just lost like one-fourth of the congregation, literally. One, two, three, four. <laughs> and then Grant's wearing a cape, and man, what a crazy Sunday. Um, open up your Bibles to the book of Ephesians is where we're going to be at this morning. The book of Ephesians, uh, we've been talking about Ephesians and just, um, we've been going through, uh, the first foundational parts of Ephesians, which Paul kind of outlines for us, um, what it means to understand God's grace. And so he talks a lot about what it means to be a reciprocant of God's grace and what that means for us. And how um, God has lavished upon us his grace in abundance. Uh, in the first couple of weeks, we talked about kind of this, this illustration of a grain bin. And if God's grace was stored up in a grain bin, when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, that grain bin was completely depleted. With Jesus Christ dying, God cannot give any more grace than he has already given in Christ. And so he has lavished upon us, the Bible says, his grace in abundance. We have received it in abundance. And, and he says, this is my gift to you. Now you have to accept that gift, right? You have to receive that grace. And the way that we receive God's grace is through faith. That's what Ephesians tells us. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith, not of works, nothing that you can do, um, no amount of nights that you showed up or didn't show up at sports camp or, or ministries that you serve in or don't serve in. God's grace is, is a free gift that you accept off faith. So when I confess that I'm a sinner and done things as a disservice to God, anything that I know is right and I don't do it is a sin. That's the Bible's definition of sin. Anytime that I do that, that I sin against God, um, I, I need forgiveness of that sin. In Old Testament, forgiveness was temporary. And then Christ, being a perfect God, perfect man, dies on the cross for our sin. And his blood, as the Bible says, is a propitiation for our sins, a proper sacrifice for our sins. That's the gospel, okay? So if we confess that we're sinners and receive Christ's blood, we are saved by grace through faith, trust, the foundation that we believe our life is, exists is on Jesus Christ. Now, last week, if you weren't with us last week, um, we gave out an 80-question test, and you all passed it, right? And if you're like, wait, hold on a second, I didn't take that test, um, you still can, okay? Um, we gave out a spiritual gift test, um, and those are outside in the foyer. You'll see them. They're there. Um, take your time with them, and the reason that we asked our congregation to do that is because Paul spoke about those things. So if you go into Ephesians, for example, chapter 4, and you look in verse, excuse me, um, nine or 11, he says, 
he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And we talked about those being the first five gifts. For what reason? Why does God give us gifts beyond the grace that he has given to us? To equip, verse 12 says, the saints, you and I, for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So we used the illustration last week about a symphony. Some of you have been to symphonies and some of you haven't. But if you go to a symphony, you realize at the start of the symphony, everybody is self-centered, worried about their instrument and their music and their um, their their place that they're going to sit and their clothes. And, and then all of a sudden, what's what's it called again, Bethany? The the concert master, okay, I call him the guy with the thing that goes like this, and that's my technical term for it, and Bethany says concert master, so I pay attention to her because Bethany's a classically trained pianist, and in music world, she is, well, not just music world, she is smarter than me big time, okay? Happy wife, happy life, so yes, I believe that to be true. He comes out, he sits down, he takes the bow, and he goes, and everybody tunes off of him, they go self-centered. Stop shaking your head. This is, makes sense in my world. Okay, this is, it tunes off of him, and now they're focused on being united. Will that suffice? Sure. Man, I'm going to get a lecture when I get home. Will you pray for me? <laughs> okay. So they're, they're in tune, and now they're focused on the guy who comes out, and he has the stick, also known as a baton. It's a stick. That somebody has made. And they're expensive. Did you know that? Did you know the conductor's stick is like thousands of dollars? It's perfectly weighted. Okay, whatever. So he comes out and he's like this. Now you guys think that I'm being mean. I come home from the gym sometimes. I'm like, Bethany, you got to hear this. And she's like, yeah. okay. So, so he comes out. He lifts up his baton. And everybody lifts up their instrument and they play together and it's unity, right? It's, it's a united front. They move because they're focused on the piece of music and they're focused on playing and pleasing the conductor and it's awesome and you should go. It's such a wonderful experience and I, I will send Bethany with you if you want to go, okay? And the reason we talked about that's so important is because it's the same with you and I who have been given gifts in our relationship with Jesus Christ, after he lavished his grace upon us, he, being Christ, gives us the opportunity to, to distribute how he wants. And so he gave some to be certain things and some to be certain other things. And last week we learned our gifts, okay? And so we get into Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, and it says this, Until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood. Now, I have questions based off of last week's teaching. Here's my questions. One, I know why I'm given a gift. To evangelize to those who are lost, share my faith. God's gift is given to me so I can share with people who don't know Christ in a specific way. You can reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ that I can't and vice versa. So I know that also, though, to build up or what we call edify the church body. My question is, how long do I have to use my gift and what does that look like? In verse 13, you circle the word until. 
until in the Bible says you are going to use this gift. It is not something that is just given to you so that you just take it and hoard it. You use it until. Until what? So there's got to be an end point here. Until three things. One, there is unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God. That's one. Two, these aren't in your notes. You can write them down if you want to. Two, mature manhood. And three, the measure, stature of the fullness of Christ. What he is saying here to you and I is that Christ has given you a gift so that you as a church will grow in a united front. You will have unified growth, number one, if you're taking notes. You will have unified growth together. You will grow and the church will grow. So Jeff, unified growth. Thanks, buddy. Awesome. Oh, we're, we're going off grid. All right, cool. Okay, so watch. This is how it works. One, I use my gift, unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God. What does that mean? Unity of the faith means, very specifically in the text, that I, when I use my gift, have the ability to see how I trust God. Okay? So let's use sports camp because it's such a great illustration that we could use. If I were to pull people up here, Tim was just up here, and if I were to pull Tim up here, and I would say, Tim, you used your gift at sports camp. Do you feel that now, on Sunday, you have a better understanding of trusting God than you did when we started on Monday? And he would say, yes, I'll I'll send you a check, okay? He says, yes, absolutely. I trusted God in using my gifts. Every time you identify your gift, you trust God when you use it. It takes a little bit of nudging. We had some volunteers as we were... um, doing the potluck uh, at the outside service. And I looked at them and I said, you should serve at sports camp. And what do you think they said? I don't think that's a good idea, Jordan. I said, but God told me you should serve at sports camp. And they said, I I don't think he did. (laughs) I said, but he revealed it to me in a dream. I saw you and I standing together on stage. And they're like, now I know you're crazy, okay? But after some poking and prodding and showing them that this would be a good idea, they said, yeah, absolutely. We're going to try and test and see if we will trust God with our gifts and utilize them in sports camp. And they did. And so they grew in their faith and their trust. God gives you a gift so that you will trust him. Now watch, the second component of that first point is for the knowledge of the Son of God. In other words, when you give your gift a shot... You gain ammunition in understanding that the living God really does exist. You gain ammunition in understanding and having proper validation that the living God exists. So when I go out and I evangelize to those who are lost, if I utilize my gift in the right way, man, I could show you how much I trust God with that gift and how nervous I was. And then I also have ammunition to show his existence. Let me communicate to you how I know God is real. You're growing in that. Do you see how that works? He says that's the first reason you use your gift. You trust God so that you will have ammunition to show people his existence really exists. 
What? Also, so that you would grow in mature manhood or womanhood. What does that mean? That means that God doesn't want you to stay an infant. Here is the problem with the American church. We pitch a gospel like a sales presentation to people. We say, you're a sinner, you need Jesus, you need to be saved. And they say, absolutely. And so what we do is we trigger an emotional response and they accept Christ up here. They believe in his existence and it doesn't penetrate into their heart. And so what they do is they just hold on to a prayer. And they say, I I know Jesus. I know him with my mind. I know he exists. That's not salvation. How do I know? The Bible clearly says that the demons know who God is, but yet still obtain hell. Why? Because there's no personal relationship with him. God's desire in giving you grace and giftedness is that you would mature or grow up in that faith. I look different than I did 10 years ago. I look different than I look, did 15 years ago or 20 years ago or whenever you came to trust, faith, trust Christ You're constantly growing in your faith. Make sense? You're maturing. Now, those of us who have little kids, we just saw them sitting over here. We don't want them to stay little kids. Amen? Some of you are like, yeah, absolutely. Some of you are like, no, 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 I want to keep them small. I looked at Bethany the other day. Our kids were eating. And I looked at her and I said, they're getting so big. How did they get so big? And she says, we feed them. Stop feeding them. They're getting huge. Once we got out of diapers, what we paid in diapers, we now pay in the refrigerator. Right? I said, they're getting so big. How are they getting so We feed them. Same is true in our Christian walk. Some people look at us and say, I feel so young in my faith. I feel so small in my relationship with Jesus. Why? Because you have not disciplined yourself to feed yourself and to grow. This is one of Paul's big frustrations with the church. He says, you still drink milk. You should be eating meat. You should be disciplining yourself to be in the word. You should be disciplining yourself to be praying. You should be disciplining yourself to evangelize, even if it makes you uncomfortable. That is mature manhood and womanhood. I've given you a gift so that you will grow up in your faith. Grow up. Also, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that one day you will stand in a mirror and you will look directly in the mirror. I'm not there yet, Jeff. And you will say, I look like Christ. Why do I look like Christ? How did I become this person? Some of you do this. You know your dad so well, you look in the mirror and you say, oh my goodness, honey, come here. Honey, honey, come here. I look just like my father. How did this happen? You grew up, right? How did I get here? The interesting thing about me and my walk is I'm adopted. And I still look like my dad. How'd that happen? Well, more is caught than taught, right? And so you're going to catch things. And my humor is a lot like my dad's humor. How did I get that? It's not in my bloodlines. It's that I caught it, okay? So you're going to stand there. Why do I have spiritual gifts? So that I will build trust with Jesus, grow. I'll have ammunition for knowing his existence, reaching maturity, 
so that I look like Christ. That's growth. You will do this until Jesus comes and calls you home. You will use your gift until God calls us home. Number two, Jeffrey's got it up. Unified maturity. Why do I have gifts? And how long do I have to use those gifts? Well, that question's answered. So I use them until Christ calls me home, and I understand why I use them. But watch this. I want to build off that mature manhood or womanhood statement. What is, my second question, what is maturity? What does maturity look like, right? Sometimes we do things and people look at it and they go, well, that's maturity. And other times we do things and people look at it and go, that's immature. I'll give you a great illustration. Some people look at uh, what we did at sports camp and go, Pastor Jordan, I can't believe that you got on stage and you jumped around like a monkey. You're crazy. I don't think that's the most mature thing in the world. Well, in the context of little kids, that's pretty mature. <laughs> they look at me and go, I want to be like him. And I'm like, okay. And, but then other people look at that and go, that makes complete sense, right? There's, 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 we have to understand what maturity really truly is. Does it mean that you look a certain way? Does it mean that you act a certain way? Well, Paul answers that. Watch this. 14. So that, why is maturity so important? So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. What does he mean by that? He means if you were in the New Testament and you read that, you got that letter from Paul. You look at that and you say to yourself, I know what he's talking about. He's talking about the people who have ships and, and, and the shipping business and, and, and the industry. When those people encountered storms, you were pointed at a, at, a, at a target. And that's where you went. So if you could see your target, that's where you put the ship. But once the winds and the waves came all of a sudden, now you're off, you're off target. You're off pace. And you look at it and you say to yourself, how did we get off target? Well, the boat was tossed to and fro and you can no longer see your destination. The reason Paul wants us to be mature in our relationship with Christ is so you never lose track of your destination. We get so sidelined into all of the opinions of man and we log on to social media and we talk to our friends and all of a sudden we find ourselves lost because we went to and fro by the winds of opinion and doctrine of man instead of keeping our focus on God and understanding that my gifts were given so that I would reach maturity to evangelize and share my faith with those who are lost and build up my brothers and sisters in Christ who are already found regardless of how uncomfortable it makes me. And those people who are spiritually mature, who are focused, continue to go forward. They are not wrecked because they know their purpose. Watch, he gives another thing. He says, by human cunningness. Now, if you were reading that, it's like a dice game. He essentially says these false teachers used trickery to deceive the people who were there. So they knew a different outcome. Pyramid scheme. Three, by craftiness in a deceitful scheme or system of error. So Paul says, I want you to grow up and mature as Christians so that you would know your destination and that man would not sway you to the left or to the right. But you would understand the fullness of the gospel that was given to you to share that grace, the gift to others. And building up the local church. And the church near and far. Now it does something else, which I think is cool. 
Watch. 15. Rather, when you are mature in your manhood or womanhood using your gift, you can speak the truth in love. Do you know what he means when he says speak the truth in love? You can let your yes be yes and your no be no. He says you have the chance now, knowing your gifts, to say no. To look at people and say, Jordan, I don't know if putting me as a coach with little kids in a setting is going to be good for me because those aren't really my gifts, but I can serve in the kitchen. See that? When you know your gifts well, you have the ability to say, this is not the pocket where I can evangelize and edify the church, but, but I'll tell you what, I do know my gifts, and now I can speak the truth and love to you, and I can come over here and serve in this capacity. If you know your gifts, you can speak the truth in love for service. You can speak the truth in love when somebody comes with an opinion. For example, your boss comes up to you and says, we have a promotion for you. It's in the company. We think that you would be good for it. We think that, that you're the one that's the right man for the job. And you look at him and you say, give me the job description. I'll give you the job description. You look at it and you go, this is not my giftedness. And now we have to trust Christ. I have to go home to my wife now and tell her I turned down the big promotion at work. I have to trust God that he is going to use my giftedness in a way that's other than the one that was presented to me. I have to tell God that I trust you and that when this plays out, I'm going to have evidence for your existence. Might not happen for a long time. Might happen instantaneously. But you can let your yes be yes and your no be no. Some of you have small children. And so when you approach and your kid looks at you, which they will, and they say, Mommy, Daddy, I want to, what? Do ballet. I want to I wanna dance. I want to play soccer. I want to do all these other things. Right? Knowing our giftedness and our gift set, we can let our yes be yes and our no be no. And we always analyze that with our gifts on whether or not we have the opportunities to evangelize to those who are lost and edify the church that is already found. This is either a good thing for our family or this is not a good thing for our family. Right? Sometimes you have to try that out. You can speak the truth in love so that we would grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. If you know your function, you get results. If I know how God has gifted me, I can see the results from using that gift. For example, Jessica Crawman comes up to me three weeks ago. She says, Jordan, I need a teacher for the little kids on Wednesday. I said, Jess, I've spoke four years at sports camp, three years actually at sports camp. I'm horrible with little kids. I said, I start talking, they go all over the place. I mean, if I'm going to be serious with them, I'm not the serious guy. I'm jumping around on stage. I'm the fun guy. Can I just be the fun guy this year? I said, because if I stand up there and I start talking to little kids, they look at me and they don't, they don't believe a word I say. I said, you put me in front of youth or adults, I'm good. But man, little kids, I've just kind of learned, we can have fun. But, but me speaking to you, and the other thing is, I use really big words. I'm like, do you guys know about dispensationalism? You guys want to talk about that? 
like, what is dispensationalism? I'm like, have you guys ever, you guys know the Torah really well? You know, Genesis, Exodus, Moses, Abraham. Huh? Who is this God? Where'd you get, how'd you get here? Right? I said, send Drew Porter to speak to him. I don't want to talk to him. Let Marcy talk to him. Whoever, Jen Heater can talk to him. Anybody but me. And she's like, that makes sense. I can speak the truth in love. Do you see how that works? Because I know my giftedness. It took three years of saying yes in order to say no, but that's a different story. Okay? Now, if I do that, I have maturity. And watch, it increases in the church and it increases in an individual way. Why do I have spiritual gifts? Why is maturity so important? Paul answers both those questions for us. He says, when you grow, the church grows. When you serve, the church grows. When you serve, you mature, you grow, and the church grows. Now watch this. He's not done. Verse 16. He says, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped... When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, if we were to go back, and you can do this in 1 Corinthians to the left. If you look in chapter 12, we just talked about this this morning in Sunday school. Here's what happened in the Corinthian church. It's very similar to what Paul's saying to the church of Ephesus. In the Corinthian church, people were looking at other people and desiring their gifts. So they were looking at people and they were saying... I I want that gift. So it's like somebody who's sitting here saying, looking at Becky, who's leading worship, and go, man, if I could just play the piano and sing like her, maybe God would really truly love me. And surprisingly, we think that. Or if you saw um, Bethany sitting here with the kids, and she's She's leading the kids, you know, or you see Tim and, and, and Emily up here, and they're dancing, and you think to yourself, if I could just dance like that again, man, God would love me. You desire somebody else's gift. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you are not supposed to desire somebody else's gift. You're supposed to understand that you have a gift that is different and distinct from them. Some of us look at our gifts and we go, but, but, but Paul, serving in the kitchen? Oh, do you know who serves in the kitchen? I don't, I, I don't think I can do that. Or making a sign. I don't make signs, God. I need to be up in front. I need to be this person. But what Paul says is, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, is that those people who have lowly gifts are as important, if not more important, than the people who have public gifts. He says, your service to the Lord is something that you have to identify and use because it's not for you, it's for Christ. So we give God the glory. Look what he says. From whom the whole body, he's talking about humility. I will do whatever God has gifted me to do for the evangelism of the lost and the building up of the church. And we don't look at God and tell him that he made a mistake. We don't look at God and say, God, this surely can't be my gift. You must have made a mistake. No, he never makes mistakes. You look at your gift and you see it, whether that's raising children or crunching numbers or speaking in public or whatever it is, or even in your job. I had so many people come up to me last week and say, Jordan, these are my gifts. This is the job that I do. They kind of line up. Duh. (laughs) Right? 
I got a couple officer friends of mine. They came up. My gifts are serving. Duh. What am I supposed to do with that gift? You're supposed to serve, silly. You're doing great. Now, the question is, in your service, are you evangelizing to those people who are coming in your way? And are you edifying, building up your brothers and sisters who are already found? That's a good question. And is that spilling over into the church? Right? I talked to a a lady just the other day, and she said, we were driving, uh, we were going to West Virginia. And we were rafting. And we were talking about gifts. And I said, you know what? You know what I think would be awesome? I said, man, I love a Christian college. I said, Bethany and I both graduated from Christian college. And and I just had a great experience there. And you build your biblical worldview. And it's awesome. And I said, "Wouldn't uh, wouldn't it be crazy if we had somebody in the church who could help our seniors and crunch all the numbers and do all the FAFSA work for them and all that other stuff? Like, wouldn't it be awesome if we had somebody that showed mom and dad that it was possible for their student to go to a Christian school instead of a secular school? Wouldn't that be cool? And she looked at me and she said, I, I, I could do that. And I said, are you kidding me? She said, yeah, I, I could totally do that. Hired, right? I said, are, are you, she said, wait, hold on a second. You mean to tell me that's a gift? Yeah. That's a gift. That kid goes to a Christian school, builds a biblical worldview, and all of a sudden, now, they, they go off, and who knows? It could be Billy Graham. And you did that. You had a piece of that puzzle. That's That'd be awesome, right? I'm not downplaying secular schools. I'm just saying that there's a gift that can be utilized for God's glory. And we look at it so many times and we say, it's just lowly. It's petty. This Really, God, this is what you give me? And he says, no, no, no. You don't know the results that I have if you utilize your gift. And it's not for you to point to yourself so that, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. It is so that you as the whole body would be joined and held together, equipped working properly so that you grow so that it builds itself up in love we had air conditioner issues all last week oh my goodness let me tell you what so i'm sitting in my office i'm writing a sermon on gifts and i'm thinking to myself god i need a really good way to close this message and this guy comes uh and he knocks on the office door and by knock, I mean it was like, I'm like, King Kong is outside of the church. <laughs> so I go over to him, I'm like, what's up, man? This sweaty guy, I mean, you could tell, because it was like 100 degrees out last, uh, last week. He says, he comes up to me and he says, he says, all right, <laughs> how much for the women and children? No, you know, like, <laughs> I look at him and I, I said, I said, hey, what can I do for you? He says, I'm from A+, and I'm like, great. And I'm like, I don't know what A-plus is. Oh, the air conditioner guy. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, come on in, man. What do you need? A bottle of water? Anything. Anything to get our air conditioner working. Do you want to know about Jesus, by the way? <laughs> so he stands. Uh, I'm sitting at Annette's desk, our secretary, and he stands here, and he starts talking to me about air conditioners. And I'm like, can you hold on a second? I got to write this down. And so I'm writing down, he's like, okay, first of all, the fan belt broke, and then the fan broke, and then your, your discombobulator's all discombobulated, and so you have to, and I, I'm lost. I mean, I'm just totally lost. And so what I do is, I said, I said, hey, I'll tell you what, I'm going to mess this up. Can I have one of our deacons call you and talk to you? And he's like, yeah, just, just write down what I said, 
and then give it to them. And I'm like, okay. So I go and I write down everything that happened to an email and I send it to the deacons and I said, hey guys, here's kind of the issues. You know, um, I have no idea what he said. I'm, I'm, I'm clueless, right, in that whole thing. So sure enough, we come to sports camp and I see Nick Klotz and I talk to Tony Buck a little bit. And I mean, and those guys are like, and I'm like, wow. I mean, I'm like in total adoration. You know what a discombobulator is and does. And they're like, yeah, man, duh, Jordan, don't you know? Like, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm fascinated. And guess what? Our air conditioner works. Why? Because it's a body. He said, Jordan, you stay on stage, teach us about God's word, we'll handle air conditioners. Yes. Right? We're winning. And the funny thing is, when I was talking to them, I'm watching everybody else use their gift in the week. And I'm watching God's kingdom grow right in front of me. So my question still is, as we talked about last week, one, are you utilizing your gift outside of the church for the evangelism of the lost, inside the church for the edification of those who are already found. In other words, the building up of the Bible. We need you just as badly, if not more, now that sports camp's over. Paul specifically says, this is how you grow. And here's the motive. Circle the very last word. You grow in love. That's humility. Knowing who you are, that you are gifted to grow, knowing very clearly that you are called to use it to mature so that you would be humble in Christ. Do you know your gifts? Man, if you didn't take that, excuse me, you didn't take that test, go grab it, please. Please go grab it. If you took that test last week and you look at me and you say, Jordan, I don't know where I fit in at the church. I'm telling you what, we can place you. We want to see you grow and, and see the same things that we're seeing firsthand. Go talk to somebody in a green shirt today and ask them. Say, hey, did, did you grow from Monday to Friday? The answer is yes. Unanimously, all across the board, yes. How did you grow? Put our trust in, in Christ. We have ammunition for his existence. And man, I watched him move in ways that I would never thought possible. Let me pray for you. God... <clears throat> First of all, we praise you that beyond the gift of grace, you distribute and disperse gifts. It's amazing that you've wired us in certain ways, all of us. That you have showed us that we are, we're gifted. And our gifts are not for ourselves, and they're not for us. They're for you and for your glory. They're to be utilized. And so my prayer, very soft-heartedly, God, because I, I don't want this to come across in a negative front, is that people in this place would see their lives that need to be on display for you 24-7, 365. People who own businesses would see those businesses that you have given to them and the giftingness that they have to run those businesses would be so that, that people would come to know you and grow in a relationship with you. For those of us who work in those places that you would help us to see, open our eyes to the fact that we are called to be good workers, good stewards of the giftedness so that people will see us and we can set an example to those who are lost 
so that they could come to receive the grace that we have received, but also, God, so that those who are found would be encouraged to see that it's possible for those of us who are raising kids. Help us see our homes as a mission field so that our sons and our daughters would grow up in your truth and the word would be impressed in their heart so that they, too, would see that they're gifted and can grow and mature, and salvation is so much more. God, help us see this very clearly. Salvation is so much more than just us selfishly accepting you because we want heaven. Help us to see very clearly that eternity is possible because of you, but you have work for us to do here and now in this place. Help us to empty ourselves Stop being so selfish, God, and start being so sacrificial. Give us boldness to open up our mouth, tell people the reason why we do what we do. Help us to love them, to be hands and feet of your son, Jesus. God, we want to grow as a church. That's numerically, but that's also internally. And that's as a family. Help us to realize you're the head. We are the body. And the more we learn about your truth, the more we're called to implement accordingly. Give us your eyes, your ears, so that we would utilize your gifts that have been given to us for the lost and for the found. God, we love you. Man, I love your word. I love that it convicts and that it teaches and that it instructs. You're not done with us. You're constantly shaping us and molding us. Keep doing that, God. Please, please keep doing that. Help us to seek your will and align ours with yours. All God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.